Please open your Bibles to Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 876. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he felt it on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Oh, Lord God, you have promised that you would uh, accomplish everything that you plan to do through your word. And so, Lord, as your word has been read and as I have been given responsibility to uh, proclaim uh, your word and to lift up the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be at work, accomplish your saving and sanctifying purposes, we ask in his name. Amen. You know, it is very convenient that as we are only 12 days from celebrating Thanksgiving, that we have in front of us this morning a passage that shows us the importance of giving thanks to God and how to do so. And I would guess that uh, most of us approach the matter of giving thanks as a relatively minor issue in our growth as Christians. Uh, We give thanks as we live our lives. As we sit down to meals, we give thanks. As we experience God's providential blessings, we give thanks. And as we worship God in our private devotions or in our public worship, we give thanks. For the Christian, giving thanks to God is part of our lifestyle. We know that we owe everything to God because he loves sinners like us, even when we did not love him. He so loved us that, of course, he gave us his own beloved son to die on that awful cross that we might live. 
And we know that every breath that we draw, every blessing that we receive, and every good thing that we possess comes from God's gracious hand. It's in a dog's nature to bark. It is a Christian's nature to give thanks to God. And I love it where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of, of God in Christ Jesus for you. However, that is not the nature for unbelievers. They do not naturally give thanks to God. And God notices that they do not give him thanks. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we read, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This passage is saying that the first step on the road to self-deception or self-deceived thinking and uh, a, having a darkened heart is not acknowledging God, not giving thanks to Him. Os Guinness said that rebellion against God does not begin with the clenched fist of atheism, but with the self-satisfied heart of one for whom a simple thank you is redundant. We see this lack of thankfulness in our society today. Even the idea of having a Thanksgiving holiday is criticized. Uh, There are those who argue that Thanksgiving should be banned or at least changed so that it has no reference to God whatsoever. And this lack of recognition of God goes hand in hand with the increasing relativism and discord in our society. Our society's refusal to acknowledge or give thanks to God is leading, frankly, to our downfall. And we are becoming more self-focused and forgetting about God. And this is not a new phenomenon. Every age fails to give thanks to God. 150 years ago, Charles Spurgeon, preaching in the heart of London, said, if you search the world around among all the choicest spices, uh, you, shall seek, you shall scarcely meet with the frankincense of gratitude. It ought to be as common as the dewdrops that land upon the hedges in the morning, but alas, the world is dry of the thankfulness of God. And we see this, this lack of thankfulness of God in our passage this morning. Ten lepers were healed. But only one bothered to come back and tell Jesus, thank you. As Jesus was about to enter the village, we just read the passage. There was a group of ten lepers, and they began calling upon him to have mercy upon them, asking Jesus to heal them. And, of course, Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest in keeping with the uh, very specific and extensive instructions that are found in Leviticus 13 and 14. The priest um, in um, Israelite society served as public health inspectors 
to diagnose the lepers and other infectious diseases. And then if they were healed, if the the disease had passed, then they were to restore them to society if they were deemed to be healthy. As the lepers here in our passage headed off to see the priest in obedience to Jesus' instruction, all ten of them were healed miraculously. Presumably, the nine of them continued on to follow through with Jesus' instruction to go to the priest. But we read about this one who turned back. Verses 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God, how? With a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. This man came back, making a spectacle of himself. It is evident that he was more taken with the healer than with the healing. He perceived that it was a greater priority to bow at the feet of the great high priest than to go and show himself uh, to the lesser priest. And Jesus affirmed this leper's priorities, that his priorities in disregarding what Jesus told him to do, to come back and worship Jesus, really was the proper priority. Giving thanksgiving and praise to God superseded Jesus' instruction to go show himself to the priest. Um, verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Literally, the, the, the Greek there for, for made you well is the word sozo. Uh, for salvation, your faith has saved you. Now, there's an abundance of applications we can take from this passage. Because Luke uh, tells the story of the tenth leper without any comment or any commentary. Uh, frankly, it opens our imaginations to apply it to ourselves in many different areas. Uh, I think just about everyone I read, there was several applications for thanksgiving, but it went off in different directions. And I must admit that when I read Charles Spurgeon, he has a far greater imagination than I do, and he made five applications that I wanted to pass on to you um, this morning, but I wanted to give him credit for these, for the the applications, because they uh, they came from from Charles Spurgeon in a sermon that he had written. And the first application is that there are more who receive benefits than ever give praise for them. Ten persons were healed. Only one glorified God because of them. In verses 12 and 13, when Jesus was entering the villages, the the lepers called out to him and they said, Master! Have mercy upon us. But then they expected him to wait on them hand uh, hand and foot. 
as if performing miracles for them was basically his duty. They were treating him. They were treating Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, as if he were their servant. Think of all that God gives us each day. Life. Health. He gives us the ability to see, to hear, to smell, to taste. All blessings. And we're not even scratching the surface. He gives us families. He gives us relationships. He gives us a beautiful world to live in. All these things. And yet... Um, the, um, we often forget to be thankful for them. And the world doesn't really thank him at all. And I want to encourage you this morning to be effusive in your thankfulness towards God. Don't settle for, thanks, for thoughtless thanksgivings as you pray over your daily meals. Ponder God's goodness to you. Maybe even sit down in part of your, pers- your private devotions and write some of the things that you are thankful for. Especially Thanksgiving's coming up. Great opportunity just to sit down and think through and worship God for his blessings to you. This is important because it keeps your heart lively and warm towards God as you remember his providences. Um, and as you give thanks to him, it, it, it calls to mind how active he is in giving you things that uh, you may be overlooking. Isaac Watts addressed this issue in his, uh, in his hymn, uh, Come, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove. Uh, sorry, Dale, I, I didn't get this until... Um, till this weekend, and I thought it was a little late to uh, to have us sing it this morning. But it's in your Trinity hymnal, hymn number three hundred and thirty-two. Listen to the first three stanzas, and he is he is saying how important it is to give thanksgiving to God because our hearts can be so dry, so self-focused, and t- we take our eyes off of God. And giving Him thanks is so very important to live a God-centered life. He says, Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all your quickening powers, kindle a flame of sacred love in these cold hearts of ours. In vain we tune our formal songs, in vain we strive to rise, Hosanna's languish on our tongues, and our devotion dies. And soon, and, and shall we then forever live at this poor dying rate? Our love so faint, so cold to you, and yours to us so great. So that's the first application. Give thanksgiving to God. Be effusive in your thanksgiving because more... Um, recognize their blessings, then give God thanks. The second application is the number of those who pray is greater than the number of those who praise. Ten called out to Jesus in prayer. Master, help us. Be merciful to us. 
but only one glorified God. Multitudes of people call out to God when they are sick or when they are in trouble. But what happens to their prayers when they grow better? Their prayers vanish. But let's not look outside ourselves and say, oh, well, that's just the world. What about our own selves? What is our practice? Do we pray more than we praise? Let's examine our own practice. How often do we pray without praising? There's an acrostic that I've found helpful. It's the uh, Acts way of prayer. You may have heard of it. It was one of the first things I learned as a young uh, follower of Christ. A stands for adoration. C stands for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. S stands for supplication. Instead of just jumping off into your prayer request, spend time worshiping God in adoration. Then in humility, confess your sins, your temptations, your struggles before God. And that's right that we would do so. Peek up one verse ahead above our passage to uh, verse 10. Remember what Jesus says? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Even at our best, we're still unworthy servants. And then give God thanksgiving for his blessings. So A-C-T, thank him. Think about the blessings that you have. Maybe take in your hand a pen and write some of them down that you might um, meditate on God's goodness to you. Think about his providences in your life. Or think about your salvation that he has given you without cost. Well, at great cost to his son, but is a free gift to you. In other words, giving consideration to the A, adoration, C, the confession, T, the thanksgiving, will strengthen your faith for your S, for your supplications. And your, your view of God will expand. And you'll remember how much he loves you. And you'll pray with greater faith for those requests that you bring before him. And so that's the second application. The third application is more obey ritual than give praise to Christ. When Jesus said to the lepers, go show yourselves to the priest, well, off they went. But only one came back. And sadly, there are many in our society who regularly go to church, who bow their heads in prayer, who sing along with the hymns and join with the the unison confessions and the readings of Scripture, but never get around to praising Christ from the heart. Their goal is not to worship, but to go through the motions and fulfill a duty. And listen to what God thinks of empty worship. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. 
I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the bulls, in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. And he goes on through that chapter. Their worship was just ritual. It wasn't heart worship, and it burdened God. It, he did not receive it and did not like it. God does not receive uh, glory from the words we sing in the hymnal. But he receives glory from the love that flows towards him as we worship. In fact, I just wonder, what, what does God hear as he listens to our worship? You know, as we're singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I wonder how many passing yards Tom Brady will have today if the Bucks win. I hope we don't sing all six stanzas. Four should be enough. I hope the pastor doesn't go too long today. I wonder what we're having for lunch. Amen. In other words, we can, um, can go through the motions without giving God the heart worship that he desires and demands. Give yourselves to God before you come to worship him on Sunday. Our public worship should be an extension of your private devotion and your daily commitment to him. God wants you to give him a heart, a heart worship that flows from thankful love for him. Nine only obeyed the ritual, but one only praised the Lord. The fourth application, I'm sorry, the third application, um, well, I'll just say the last application because I've forgotten count how many I had. Uh, there are more that believe, uh, there are more than, there are more that believe than there are that praise. All ten of the lepers believed Jesus' instruction to go show themselves to the priest, um, but only one actually praised the Lord Jesus. Leviticus says that the lepers are not appear before, to appear before the priest until all the symptoms are gone. But when Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest, none of the symptoms had gone until they were on their way. And as they were going, suddenly they were healed, all ten of them. J.C. Ryle comments that help meets them in the path of obedience. That in our obedience, it, our, their obedience was, was motivated by faith. And it was an admirable faith that these ten lepers demonstrated but only one came back to praise Christ for the mercy he had received. And this is where this is a little hard, because there is such a thing as having faith, even a faith that confesses Orthodox Christianity, but it's not a saving faith. There are multitudes who believe in heaven and eternity. They believe in Jesus. They believe that he died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. But this faith only extends as far as their needs. We get blessings from Christ 
so we believe in him. We need a foundation for morality and ethics, so we point to Christ. We need to stay out of hell, so we call on Jesus. But that's where faith stops for so many. It stops where their needs end. Their faith does not extend to Jesus in love or in worship. Before coronavirus, I had been challenged by one of my pastor friends to go door-to-door in the neighborhoods around our church. And I would uh, cry out in the office asking God to give me something else to do. And, uh, but I would go and, um, and, and um, meet neighbors. I went uh, up and down John Moore in the neighborhoods surrounding that, up and down uh, Bryan. And uh, I met so many people who believe in God but refuse to go to church. They don't attend. They won't belong. I don't know if their faith is real or not, but I know that there was fault in the result. That they're not coming to church, not gathering with the fellowship of believers. Was the faith of the nine lepers who did not that did not come back to worship? Was their faith real? I don't know for certain. But I do know that the fruit of their faith was faulty because they did not worship. Again, listen to Jesus in verses 17 through 19 in the way that he affirms the one leper who came back to worship him. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you you well, or your faith has saved you. Jesus was very frank with many of his followers in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. I remember thinking that I was a follower of Jesus until confronted with this passage and realized I never knew the Lord Jesus. I believed in him. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I read this, these verses, these three verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the, but the one who does my will, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There is a faith that these people were exhibiting. There is a faith that is not a saving faith. As we draw to our conclusion, I have two concluding remarks. And the first, I want to direct individually to Jimbo. There are a small percentage of people who hear about Jesus, but actually come to him. The majority go their own way, like the lepers. You know, Jesus, 
the great evangelist. He had one in ten. Jimbo works as a full-time evangelist. He spends all day Tuesday and all day Thursday uh, in College Hill, up and down Nebraska Avenue. Uh, He spends part of his day here in the community evangelizing. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he's in the jails in Polk County. And sometimes, I think once a month on Saturday evenings as well, we pray up a storm for conversions. But most do not come to Jesus. And that can be discouraging. And I wanted to encourage Jimbo. Our Lord Jesus had one in ten. And he was fulfilling his purposes. Ten were healed Only one worshipped. And then secondly and lastly, Jesus received the outcast. The lepers, they were the lowest people in all of society. They were banished from their homes. They were separated from their families. They were banned from every convenience of society. They had to live outside the village, off in their own little enclave. And this leper was lower than all the other nine lepers. This leper was a Samaritan, and he was despised by Jewish culture. But Jesus rejoiced to receive him. There are no second-class citizens in Christ's kingdom. Your station in life, your past actions, your present sense of guilt cannot and will not keep you from Christ's love. We are all poor lepers who look to Christ for his salvation. And may we love him and live thankful lives as his followers who trust in him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are so gracious to all ten of those lepers. Lord, we thank you for this one with a thankful heart and how he reminds us to bow our hearts and our lives in thankful worship. Lord, help us to do so. We live by sight so much of the time. We struggle to live by faith as we are called to do. Help us, Lord, to have the eyes of faith enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may grasp how high and how long and, and how deep and how wide is your great love for us. Lord, I pray that if there are any here who do not know the Lord Jesus, that you would bring them to yourself. Lord, for any who are doubt, uh, downcast, Lord, lift them up and help us all to be a thankful people. We ask in your name, amen.